Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365 Men's Basketball with Andy Katz. It's our new name, and we're proud of it. March Madness is now being used for both men and women's college basketball. Long time coming. Should have always been the case. For whatever reasons, no need to go into it. It wasn't. We're moving forward. Both are using March Madness. We got a good show. Bruce Pearl, head coach of Auburn, joining me on... The show after the Auburn Tigers, I had them number one in my power 36, but they're number two in the latest AP rankings. Kelvin Sampson from Houston, final four. So you got really back-to-back final four coaches because Auburn was in the final four of 2019. No 2020, of course, 21. Kelvin Sampson was in there with Houston. So Houston, Trevon Mark, Marcus Sasser, both hurt both their best guards, and yet, look at Houston. Still rolling the team to beat in the American. For Cats ranks, we're going to look at the top 10 risers in terms of rising teams in college basketball because it is only January. So let's pause and not think that everything is decided. So let me look at the rankings right here before we get to our guests. First off, Gonzaga, one. I had them two. Auburn, two. I had them one. Both are playing great right now. Gonzaga coming off their pause, absolutely destroyed BYU, won at Santa Clara. Drew Timmy, back to scoring over 30. He was my March Madness Men's Basketball National Player of the Week. Auburn was my National Team of the Week because I thought they had a better week. They won road games at Alabama, at Ole Miss. And if we want to do comparison shopping here, Alabama... Beat Gonzaga in Seattle. I know it was in December. And last week, Auburn beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So we both agree, AP and me, that Arizona should be three and right up there. And they are. Interesting after that. Now, Purdue, four. This was before Monday's game against Illinois. Double overtime. What a great game between Purdue and Illinois Monday afternoon on MLK Day. Tremendous. Purdue prevails in double overtime, sending a strong message because they hadn't had, outside of an early win over Iowa, which they'd hold on and they beat Iowa without Keegan Murray. You know, they lost at home to Wisconsin, lost on the road to Rutgers at the buzzer. They needed this to say to the Big Ten, hey, we're still in the race. We can still win the league. So beating Illinois in double overtime, giving Illinois their first Big Ten loss, significant. That happened on Monday. Then you've got Baylor surprised in the AP poll that they only dropped a five from one after losing two home games. I put them at 10. You've got Kansas. Maybe I shouldn't have put them in the teens. Seven. I just didn't, you know, they lost to a Texas Tech team the week before without two of Texas Tech's best players. They squeaked by Iowa State. 
And then they did handle West Virginia. So whatever, I could have been wrong on that. I like Wisconsin in the top 10. They're rolling right now. Only two losses. One loss in the Big Ten. That was at Ohio State. UCLA at nine. Did lose at home to Oregon. Houston. I mean, they've just been so solid. Rock solid. Villanova is just destroying the Big East. Kentucky looked as good as we've seen Kentucky look in years, the way they destroyed Tennessee. Uh, it was right after the passing of Joe B. Hall, former Kentucky coach, and John Calipari has done a great job of embracing the tradition of Kentucky and really was with Joe B. Hall quite a bit toward the end of his life, visiting him quite a bit. And what a tribute to Joby Hall to destroy Tennessee. You know, I didn't mention Duke. Duke at six. A little high, but, you know, Duke played well with that road win at Wake. Coach K wasn't at that game. Not COVID-related. Uh, but they did lose at home to Miami. After that, we got LSU at 13. Lost at home to Arkansas. They beat Florida. Michigan State lost in the last possession to Northwestern. Then Iowa State, USC, which lost two games after being one of the last two undefeated, losing at Stanford, losing at home to Oregon. Illinois, this is before the Purdue loss. They checked in at 17. I had them in the top 10. So, you know, maybe they're in the low teens, maybe around 10, double overtime loss. Texas Tech, Ohio State, no problem. Xavier, I, you know, they, Villanova destroyed them. I had Xavier out. I know they're 13-3, and but I'm not as sold on them right now. Providence, long pause. They've missed three games. I like Loyola Chicago at 22 because they're rolling in the Valley. Beat San Francisco on neutral. Then Texas, Tennessee, UConn. Tennessee and UConn, you know, UConn barely beat St. John's. Tennessee got destroyed by Kentucky. You know, you got to pay a price for that. You're out. I like that Iowa's almost in the poll. BYU, Davidson, like all that. They should be right there. I had Oregon at 24 after those two wins against UCLA and USC. They've turned the season around. Jacob Young, they're the transfer from Rutgers, looking great. So, and then Texas A&M. I had them in my power 36. 4-0 under Buzz Williams. No problem having them receive votes. They could go even a little higher. So, look, we're in the throes of it right now. The biggest thing is this. I think we are past, not trying to pretend to be an epidemiologist here, <laughs> but just based on the data here, in terms of our little corner of the world, there are less postponements, less cancellations right now. So, I'm hopeful that we're through the worst of it in college basketball. Obviously not in the United States, but in terms of our, as they say, they used to say in newspapers, in our toy department, hopefully we are through the worst of it. I I'm very confident we're going to have a great, great February, March, early April. All right. I got to get to Bruce Pearl. Got to get his reaction to not being one. You won in my poll, but two in the AP. And now joining me here on March Madness, March Madness 365, Bruce Pearl, the head coach of Auburn. My number one this week, AP went with Gonzaga. I could see the argument both ways, but I don't think there's any doubt. No one is playing better basketball than Auburn. Great road wins last week. Uh, over rival Alabama at Ole Miss, great atmospheres. Bruce, let's first start with where this team is at at this point in the season. How would you assess where your team is? We don't have a lot to complain about, right? Um, we've gotten a lot better from the beginning of this season, which is what you want every team to do. Uh, a lot of new pieces, but the guys became great friends, competed to establish roles, and then, you know, just have worked hard to try to 
buy into the game plan and buy into what they do best. And, uh, you know, right now we're playing pretty well. But like you said, it's early and, and there's a lot of basketball left. You know, it's interesting. And I've talked to so many of the, your peers around the country. It really can be a bit of a crapshoot in terms of when you take the transfers. Some have worked out great. Some have taken more time. It just feels like, and even with high-profile freshmen, your pieces fit and they're working out, which I, obviously you would have liked that to happen, but you couldn't project it. W- what did you see when you put this together, especially with the combination of Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler, which has worked out very well? Yeah, no, I, a couple of things. I mean, we part of it is having recruited guys for a long, long time. So Jabari Smith recruited them for a long time. Walker Kessler, Katie Johnson. Uh, those are you know, all Georgia kids that were recruited for a long time. So we knew them. And we knew their history and we knew their strengths and we knew their potential. And then in addition to that, you know, we did, I think we did a good job of taking an Eastern Kentucky five foot 10 Wendell Green, who we saw something special in. Um, my coaching staff did a great job evaluating, you know, tape after tape after tape, talking to coaches in the Ohio Valley who all said, man, this kid's got a little something special. I don't know if he can defend at the SEC you know, I don't know if you can play a little point guard, but we've always had undersized point guards at Auburn. It's worked out well. And then Zeb Jasper from the College of Charleston, another mid-major guy that just plays so hard and is so unselfish, not afraid of the moment. So every one of those five new pieces have worked out really, really well for us. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned those two guys coming up from sort of one-bid leagues. You know, they have to take on a different role. And, you know, like I think of, of a player like Tyson Walker who was – you know, at Northeastern, big-time shot maker, and Izzo needed him to be a distributor, and it took some time, and now he's doing that. When you had to recruit those guys, knowing that they had much more responsibilities at those previous stops, how did you get them to say, look, that's not what you're going to do here if we're going to be successful? Well, I still want Wendell Green to be interesting. Him and Zepp play the both point guard position. Uh, Wendell's got to score. For me, it's actually the other way around. I want one to be himself. I want him to go to his strengths. I want him to shoot it if he's open. I want him to go downhill and create. I want Zepp to be himself. He's going to be the same position. He's just not going to turn over. He's not going to take chances. He'll be solid. It'll be incredible on the defensive end. The biggest adjustment, though, Andy, to compliment what you're saying, is just the physicality night in and night out. You know, there's a difference when you're playing Northeastern Michigan State and you're playing the Big Ten, you know, versus, you know, the, the Colonial uh, as far as just a, you got to guard. You got to rebound your position. And so when you're dealing with undersized players, that, that and but that's why a lot of coaches won't take those smaller guys. They don't bother me. So Jabari clearly has worked out. Um, you know, one of the best players in the country, regardless of class. What did you see in him that told you, yeah, he could be a star? Well, I mean, he he probably in the gym every morning at 6 a.m. at his high school. So, I mean, what happens, Andy, is people look at guys with talent. And I think that it's just simply God just blessed them and they got advantages over me. Then uh, he's six. No, when the other kids were getting up, this kid was in the gym. This kid was in the weight room. This kid was working out with his coach five or six mornings a week. And so that work ethic combined with the talent. um, What I didn't know is I had no idea how competitive he was. I didn't know how tough he was. And I didn't know that he had a, an inner confidence that uh, that is way beyond his years. He is still 18. He he won't be 19 until May. He's as special as I've ever had. You know, it's interesting. I think about your team a couple years ago that got to the Final Four. That team just got better and better and better and was not as hyped in the preseason, similar to this one. 
look, I know every team is different within its own vacuum of each season. So it's hard to compare. But in terms of the growth of the teams, what similarities are you seeing between the two? This team here had a lot more ground to cover from the beginning of the season to the end. That that team that went to the Final Four had some returning pieces, um, you know, from a, from a, a pretty good team that won the SEC championship in the regular season the year before. This is a brand new group. And so they've had a, got a lot better now. That team that went to the Final Four got hot in the end. We were 12-0 in March. And now what, what's going to happen to this team? What's the ceiling on this team? You know, right now we're really good in January. Can we continue to get better? Will we get hot? Will we stay healthy? All those things. You know, the funny thing is, Andy, there are still six or seven teams that could win our league. There are still eight or nine teams that still could go to the tournament out of our league. There's so much basketball to be, you know, played. But obviously, to this point, we're pleased with where we are. And I'll be honest, I'm, you didn't ask the question, but I'll tell you, I'm disappointed that we're not number one right now. We have the best record against the quad one and two. We beat Alabama at Alabama. You know, Gonzaga, who's ranked ahead of us, lost to him in Seattle. Um, we, we're five and zero on the road. Gonzaga's won the one game road game they've played. So sometimes I think just like when you guys, you know, do the seating of the tournament and you take the name off of the school, sometimes things work out a little differently. Well, look, I was going to ask you that, so I'm glad you answered that. Um, you know, to that point, what I loved about last week, and that to me is what told me without question to me, Auburn should be one, is – the beauty of the SEC this season, and it usually is like this, but it, it feels bigger right now because of last year with no fans. The games I've watched, there's been great fan support, especially when you guys have come into the gym. Clearly, Kentucky gets that as well. Yeah. But the atmosphere is at Alabama and at Ole Miss. We're rocking. And your guys did not wilt. Uh, they withstood the punches. You know, there were leads. And you guys came back and finished the job. Yep. How would you describe yep. the way your group has handled these situations so early in the season? I, you know, I feel bad, like on the West Coast, when the, when the students aren't in the building, or you know, they're not the fans aren't in the stands. I mean, you're right. The atmosphere at Alabama was fantastic for both schools. Same thing with Ole Miss, and um, and and these kids are getting that experience that you know that you just you'll never forget. These atmospheres, you know, Andy, when you and I were growing up and the Big East was getting started and Madison Square Garden, what made it was, you know, the teams and the coaches, but obviously the fans and the atmosphere. So, yeah, the SEC right now has got it going on. Let me let me just clarify one thing. I don't know. There could be 20 teams in the country better than us, okay, right now. Uh, like, And I don't know whether they're going to finish first or fifth in our league right now. All I'm saying is right now, based on our resume, right now, we should be number one. That does not mean we're the best team. Oh, no, I agree. So I want to make sure that, that that's clear. Because, um, because you know, we got – I have too much respect for all the other teams because Chicago could beat us by 20, and, and they have. But right now, right now we deserve to be number one. And, and I agree with you because, to me, that's the snapshot uh, for rankings, not seeding. To me, it's who's playing well enough this past week to rank them one, two, three, four, et cetera. All right, last two things. First off, the way in which your staff and your team have dealt with adversity. Uh, you had to sit a couple, you know, you had to sit a couple games. Last year, you guys weren't able to play in the postseason. I know not everyone on this team was on that team. But how would you say this group has weathered the last year and a half to be in position now where you, the storm is behind you? Yeah. You know, all that is behind you. You're going forward, and you got a team that can certainly compete for the national championship. Andy, worry about what you can control. 
You know, it's all you can worry about. Focus on the job at hand. Focus your responsibilities to work with young men. You know, our whole thing here at Auburn, you know, go about our business every day and do the things that will give God a chance to bless you. Can we continue to get better and, and, and win? And as far as the last, you know, this year, it's been a four-year situation where, you know, we've been sort of under a microscope and having to deal with distractions. You know what? We haven't stopped, let that stop us from competing, from graduating kids, from doing, you know, for doing our job. And so I'm very, very proud of my coaching staff. Man, if anybody's got a better coaching staff in the country, uh, they got a great staff. I'm serious. I'm just playing, you know, Wes Flanagan, Ira Bowman, and Stephen Pearl, and Mike Burgermaster, Chad Pruitt, all my, my GAs and stuff like that. Just tell our guys do a fantastic job. All right, last thing, Bruce, you tell me you're great in January right now. Don't know how good you're going to be in March and April. What needs to happen with this group to go, you know, continue to go up and shatter this ceiling and make a run? Well, you know, there are things we can't control. Kentucky, I'm looking at Kentucky, Andy. This is as good a team as I think I played against. Uh, you know, that's a strong step. Played against Cal for many, many years. We'll see. Uh, you know, they're fast. Got great point guard play. Got shooters dominant inside. This could be a great team. So we got to get by them and a couple other teams in the SEC. We got to do a better job, continue to execute better offensively, continue to lock in our roles, um, you know, and um, continue to play hard and, and play unselfishly. We're not going to be a situation where I worry about our guys starting to read their media posts and start thinking we're not who we are. We know who we are, and we know we, we're humble and we're hungry. Bruce, I appreciate it. As always, love our conversations. To me, you guys are number one. You'll get there, and you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. All right, Andy. Thank you. Take care. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. All right, it's time now for Cats Ranks, the top rising teams here in uh, mid, mid-January, let's say, in the third week of January. At number one, Oregon. Ducks, four and two in the Pac-12. Two wins over UCLA and USC on the road. At number two, Florida State. The Seminoles, never doubt Leonard Hamilton. Four and two in the ACC, knocked off Miami, and won at Syracuse. At number three, how about Shaka Smart? Four and three in the Big East. They've beaten Providence and Seton Hall at home and Illinois earlier in the season. At four, Rutgers. Geo Baker's healthy. They're four and two in the Big Ten. Michigan, Purdue, home wins, and they finally got that, that road win they desperately needed. I don't care where it was. at Maryland. They got it. Five, Texas A&M. Four and oh. In the SEC, 15-2 and two overall. No one's talking about the Aggies. Big game coming up against Kentucky. Mississippi State at 6, 3-1, win over Alabama. They're 12-4 overall. Ben Howland's crew is finally playing its best basketball. 7, TCU. Jamie Dixon has them 2-1 in the Big 12. They don't link the pause, but they got a win over Oklahoma in overtime and a road win against K-State. 12-2 overall. They're right there. 8, Miami, 5-1. Have the road win against Duke. Just lost to Florida State. They did not have a good non-conference. So they've got to maintain a healthy ACC record. Nine, St. Bonaventure. We say, wait a minute, how can they be a riser? They were the preseason favorite. Well, they went sideways in December. But they're 2-0 in the A-10 after their pause. 10-3 and overall. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be right there behind Davidson. Maybe they'll pass Davidson. Davidson right now is the favorite. And at 10, Wyoming. We all are naturally talking about San Diego State, Colorado State, 
Do not dismiss Wyoming in the Mountain West. Long pause, missed four games. Beat Utah State to come back. 1-0 in the Mountain West. 12-2 overall. So, this moment in time, those are my top 10 rising programs in men's college basketball. And now joining me here are March Madness, Kelvin Sampson, the head coach of Houston. And Kelvin, uh, coaches love to say next man up and all that, but it rarely happens as well as it's happening for you guys when you lose two players like Marcus Sasser, Trevon Mark, who have that much importance, that productive, and yet while you may not be winning the exact same way, you're still winning and one of the best teams in the country. How is it happening? Well... We have a good front line. Uh, Josh Carlton coming over from UConn is giving us something we haven't had. And, you know, after last year's Final Four run, and I think your question is, okay, how, how do we get better? How, how can we go from this level to the next level? And one of the things that uh, I kept banging my head was being able to s- score inside and out. You know, we, we've always had good perimeter uh, players, Damian Dotson, Rob Gray, Quentin Grimes, Jerome Robinson, Corey Davis. But we've never had a really good inside guy that could score. They could do other things, but not go-to guys. And we felt like we'd seen Josh enough playing against him that, you know, he's got a chance. So he became kind of our project. And even though Marcus was off to a sensational start, Jermon was in between his injury, was playing really good. But when those two guys went down, we had no choice. You know, we just didn't have anywhere to go for, um, you know, to play through somebody. You know, Kyler is a good player. Fabian White's a good player. But neither one are dynamic in the sense that they're going to carry. Whereas if you add Josh to Kyler, Josh to Fabian, you know, will that be enough? Maybe not. But at least it gave us somewhere to start. And so we're just trying to get to the last five minutes of the game uh, disappoints me the most is, is for those kids, obviously, but also for the team and that we can't practice. You know, we lost Jamal Shedd right after the tip the other night against Tulsa. So that's your three, basically your three starting guards out. And where it really has a uh, boomerang effect is, um, you know, when you have a new group, you need to practice. I need to see them and, and be able to help them and, and they need to get confidence with each other and with the injuries. We just, first of all, I'm scared to death to go five on five. And we just don't have the bodies to do it, especially with the guards. So I know that it's still a long season, but you are off to a great start in the American. And there was early in the season, obviously, there was a natural buzz about Memphis. You know, obviously, Tyson Etienne was coming back to Wichita. And at the end of the day, it's still Houston. Houston needs to be taken down. What's it been like for this group, especially the returnees or even someone like Josh Carlton who had to play against Houston when UConn was in the American uh, that knows that, you know, that's who we are. You got to beat us, you know, if you want to win this league. How how have your players taken on that responsibility? I don't know where I saw this. I'm certainly not smart enough to come up with it, but I read somewhere where um, culture never graduates. And I think that applies here because I think our kids Uh, embrace it. It's almost like a badge of honor uh, to go through this program, especially for the guys that have have moved on. You know, they they hold the other guys accountable. You know, Galen Robinson, 
when he's in town, comes to practice. Damian Dotson, uh, Quentin Grimes, Jerome, Corey Davis, Armani's, I saw him in the gym the other day. And when they, they come, I always ask him to speak to the team. I said, speak to, the, to each class. You know, you're, you're speaking to freshmen, sophomores, juniors, seniors. You know, the seniors can relate to you, but the freshmen cannot. And I just think having that extra layer of former players that stay connected, to me, that's what really separates good programs from great programs, is the former players staying connected, taking pride in it. Uh, Scott Drew told me an unbelievable story about Davion Mitchell asking for film on the way L.J. Cryer was uh, working out in the summer. He said, send it to me. He said, that, you know, here Davion Mitchell's in summer league with Sacramento, and he wants to see L.J. Cryer's workout tape to see if there's anything there he can see that can help him. Now, that's a great program. That is a great program. And that's what we're trying to build here is that culture where each class uh, passes it down to the next class, kind of like a baton, but they take pride in it after they leave. So each stop that you've had, you know, you've had a transfer in some form where it's junior college, you name it. Obviously, we're in a new era of transfers and some are working out, some aren't. Some are going from a one-bid league up to multi-bid league. Some are peer-to-peer, if you will. So someone like Josh, obviously played against him, but how did you know he was going to fit for you? I didn't need to ask anybody about him as a player. I I could see that. We had to uh, prepare for him. He was on the scouting report. He was the uh, American Athletic Conference most improved player his sophomore year. And then uh, Kevin left and Danny came in. And uh, I saw Danny starting five man the other night. I could see why Josh didn't play last year. Because that kid, you could tell that kid's going to be special. But I thought Josh could be special for us. If you play through him, he can't be, when Josh is on the floor, he can't be your third or fourth option. If he is, then why have him on the floor? If he's going to be on the floor, you've got to play through him. But that's also where that amazing drug confidence comes from. When they know they're going to get the ball, they work harder. They prepare harder. But I think the the reason I thought that it would work with him is because he's such a great kid. You know, we talk to uh, so many people, whether it's at uh, DeMatha uh, or UConn, uh, people that uh, – had an impact on him in North Carolina, in, in Winterville, where he was raised. Everybody said the same thing. There was no dissenting views about uh, Josh Carlton. Big old teddy bear. Every kid will love him. Greatest teammate ever. You know, those are the things we needed to hear. You'll find out who your enemies are when you hit adversity, and oftentimes it's not the other team. you got low-character dudes. They're going to show themselves in adversity. And we're in adversity right now. You know, but a kid like Josh, Josh, uh, Kyler Edwards, Tajay Moore, those three guys have been rocks. You know, it's been a while since we lost a game, but we've had adversity. You know, losing uh, Marcus, losing Tremont, and now losing Jamal. You know, our numbers are are dwindling, but our kids are stepping up. And and we know what's, you know, you you can still win a game. It's just not going to be the same way. But we we just have to continue to to look for ways to win, but having good kids uh, give you a chance. Well, I'll tell you, I was there. Uh, I didn't see you because of the way everything ended, but I was there in Vegas for that Wisconsin game. And, um, you know, you're down 20 and you show great fight, come right back to potentially take that. Uh, so obviously this team 
you know, has always shown that. Two last things for you. One, uh, since the Final Four, obviously things are football-driven. I get it with movements. Uh, but good things have happened, obviously. Getting to the Big 12 here uh, within a couple of years. Uh, what other benefits have you seen tangibly since the Final Four? I think perception more than anything else, uh, Andy. Um, when I was a, a little boy, we used to go to church every Sunday. We'd go to uh, Sunday school class and we'd go to worship service. And I remember, and, and for some reason, it's always stood out to me. Our Sunday school teacher would put us in groups and she was always having us do these little lessons from the Bible. One of the lessons one day was uh, when each group to come up with what you think is the most important word is in the Bible. And our group bandied about several words, but we came up, we came out with the word hope. And that is so important, especially on a day like today with Dr. Martin Luther King Day. You know, and I think of Dr. Martin Luther King, he gave a whole race of people hope. I think when we got here, um, it was, well, I'm tired of talking about the way it was when we got here, but I think what we've done is, is given our athletic department something to shoot for, hope that we can rub shoulder to shoulder with some of the great programs in the country and have success. But the um, perception from everybody we come in contact with, uh, especially high school coaches, uh, uh, parents accepting us in, in uh, their, well, their homes, their, their, their Zooms, you know, being able to get involved with just about any kid we want to now. That doesn't mean we're going to get them, but at least they take our phone call now. So it's just been different. I don't think we've changed because I, I don't think I don't think you ever reach the mountaintop. Every day you're still climbing the mountain and you have to keep climbing. If you ever think you've reached it, then there's only one place to go. You've got to keep climbing. You know, we're the University of Houston. You know, we didn't get invited to this party. You know, we kind of crashed this party and we have to still be that team that crashed the party. All right, last thing you mentioned, we're taping this on MLK Day. Obviously, it shouldn't just be a day, week, months, year. Um, just in our tiny little corner of the world in college basketball, it feels like there's been a shift in terms of hires. You have been a trailblazer in terms of, you know, where you've been, you know, a diverse coach who has been able to be a trailblazer in various spots around the country. Um, but this coaching carousel, I, I felt a shift. You could see it. The numbers backed it up. Where do you think we are in terms of, you know, opportunities as we reflect back on a day like today? We're where we should have always been. You know, I'm, I remember when John Thompson won the national championship and he became known as the first African-American coach to win a championship. And he started stopping people and saying, we've gotten to where we need to be. We've come a long way. But when I start recognizes a great coach instead of a great black coach. Uh, when I was growing up in this business, the people that looked like me that were my role models was John Thompson, George Raveling, Nolan Richardson, uh, and John Chaney and Clem Haskins. Those guys gave me hope. My father gave me hope that I could coach and, and impact his lives. And I'll give Shaka Smart, Leonard Hamilton, so many coaches, uh, Conzo Martin, there's so many coaches that, that are preaching. Mike Boynton from Oklahoma State. I can't tell you how many Zoom calls I was on 
uh, in the last 12 months, last 24 months through COVID of uh, making a presentation to all the black assistant coaches in the country, on a call with all the black head coaches in the country, supporting each other, uh, making sure that we have, we keep our chain of communication open. When somebody's going through a rough time, just give them a call, text him, let, let him know you're good enough, that we all go through this. So um, I think since the uh, May of 2020 with the George Floyd incident, that was like the spark that lit the match that got this thing rolling. And, um, you know, George Floyd did change a lot of things, but we can't lose sight of, the, of, of what uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church and, and uh, Dr. Martin Luther King started too. You know, he's, he's been a strength of hope. He's been a strength of, uh, um, that's something that's always been there. It's always gonna be there. And then you have these things like the George Floyd incident that creates change. When I look at Don Staley at South Carolina, I look at what I want um, the minority face to look like. Somebody that's strong, somebody that's not afraid to go against the status quo, somebody that will stand up and say what's right when other people may not feel comfortable with it. I think she may be the face of college basketball for black coaches and for minority coaches. I don't know Don Staley, but from the outside looking in, I'm a huge fan of hers. I'm a huge fan of Leonard Hamilton. You know, uh, people don't realize how long Leonard's been in this business. And for him to last this long as an assistant with Joe B. Hall, all the way through building one of the great programs in the country at Florida State, and being a black man uh, doing it in this country, I think is significant. You know, a lot of people won't run away from certain topics I think there's certain topics that need to be addressed just because of the change that's happening. You look at all the black coaches in the NBA, look at the black coaches in college basketball. It shouldn't have taken an incident like George Floyd to create this change. And they're going to be successful because they've always been successful. Now we're getting opportunities and you're going to see, you're going to see this uh, uh, become a permanent uh, happening now versus uh, a change. I agree with you. I hope you're 100% right. And you have been a great change maker, certainly for the game and for those that you've affected wherever you've been. Calvin, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate you having me on with you. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365 Men's Basketball with Andy Katz. You can go to our new Twitter handle, at March Madness MBB, for all our social media content. And as always, big thank you to Abby Stoltz, our lead producer. Team at Turner Sports, Warner Media, Bleacher Report, and of course, everyone at NCAA.com that repurposes this podcast, gets it out to you in various forms. All right. Stay healthy, everyone. Be positive. Test negative. Things are getting better. I can feel it. Hopeful. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you.